Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. All right, back on track with this series on getting started with ADHD management. And this week, we're going to be focusing on some of the more physical areas that can really help us get our ADHD under control. And those are sleep and exercise. During the monthly ADHD Rewired live Q&A, we frequently get questions about what are our top things that we all do for our ADHD. And inevitably, the answers come back as some form of helping with their sleep or with our exercise. It's just that important. And it's also understandably hard for us to follow through on those things. So in today's episode, we're going to be discussing why these things are so important for our ADHD management, but also just as importantly, or even more so perhaps, how we can better follow through with our intentions of getting better sleep and exercising more. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash getting started part three. Before we get started, I also wanted to let you know that in a few weeks, I'm going to be doing a Q&A with Rick Webster of Renify to answer some of your questions about money and ADHD. A few months back, I had Rick on the show and we received a lot of positive feedback, so we thought we'd do a follow-up episode focused on the questions you have. But that means we need some questions. So if you have any questions around financial management and ADHD, please send them in at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. All right, looking forward to hearing from you. All right, keep on listening to find out how we can improve our sleep and exercise more and how that can help with our ADHD management. All right, we're actually going to start off with exercise here. And the first thing we want to do is start by reframing exercise as movement. The word exercise can come with a lot of baggage for a lot of people, and what's really important here is that we're regularly moving our bodies, not just that we're doing some kind of exercise routine. While typical exercise things like going to the gym and doing sports are great, they are not the only things that we want to be looking at to add movement to our days. And so if you need some ideas, consider getting up from your chair and moving around at least once an hour. Go refill your water or you know, just go look outside for a minute to kind of refresh your brain. Try taking the stairs instead of the elevator. When you're driving somewhere, try parking farther away from the entrance. Use your break or part of your lunch to walk around outside. Housework, gardening, and yard work are all physical work, so those count as movement. Uh, Try go for a walk in your neighborhood. It can be more fun if you're walking your dog or walking your kids to school or just going on a walk with a friend. And you could also try doing light stretches during any breaks you have throughout the day. And one thing I like using is a standing desk, and it's actually a transition desk, so I can stand most of the time, but also sit when I need to. And importantly, I also want to acknowledge that not everyone's going to be able to do all of these things, and we're all going to have our own limits. What's important is that we're trying to raise our heart rate and just do more stuff during the day rather than just only sitting. We can also consider that movement isn't just for the body, it's also for our minds. When we're doing exercise and getting that good amount of movement in, we're producing neurotransmitters and endorphins like dopamine and noepinephrine. And these are the same neurotransmitters that a lot of us get from our stimulant medications. And all movement and exercise can benefit our ADHD brains. 
we want to focus on doing stuff that we enjoy doing because that's going to give us an even bigger hit of dopamine and keep us doing the things that we want to do. For example, I really love going out and playing Ultimate Frisbee. It's great to do the movement, but it also gives me a huge social aspect. That is just a great way to keep me doing it because it's not just me running on a treadmill or something, which I know I'd get bored of eventually. And while all this exercise stuff is great, it can be incredibly hard to stick with. And that's true for everyone, not just those of us with ADHD. So some things we can do is we can try adding in some accountability to our exercise. Exercise buddies are a great way to do this. Someone that you just go out with and someone who can make sure that you're going to your things. Also with this is you could have exercise classes. And just as a caveat here, let's make sure that their things will actually go to. We don't want to just rely on the thought that, hey, we paid for this, so we're more likely to go because we know that's probably not true. I have plenty of things that I've thought that with and then ended up never going to. So what you could do here is combine the idea of having an exercise buddy and going to a class and going to the class with your exercise buddy, which is a great way to also have that same social aspect and, you know, have that accountability there. We also want to make sure that we're front loading our effort. We're trying to make things easier for our future self. And this means that we want to have our stuff ready before we need to leave for whatever we're going to do. We can prep our gym bag the night before, have our exercise shoes out and ready to go, or just have our water bottle filled up before we leave the house. The point is that we don't want to find ourselves with an easy excuse of why we're not going to do something because, oh no, I forgot my gym shorts, can't go to the gym. We want to cut out that easy excuse early by front-loading our effort and having these things done ahead of time. Then we also want to start off easy. We're all going to be getting in this at different levels, and we need to start where we're good at starting. Nothing like overdoing it your first time out to make you not want to go back for another bout of whatever it was you're doing. And, but with that in mind, we want to aim for trying to get 20 to 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise every day. And, but that's something that we can work up to. We don't need to start there. Then we want to try and make this as much of a routine as we can. Well, trying to keep some of the novelty at least. So this means trying to keep it same time of day. And we want to keep it just predictable and so that we can set up those things that we do automatically. This is what part of what front-loading our effort was going to be, because if we know that, hey, every Monday I'm going to go to the gym in the morning, then we know, hey, I can put my get my gym bag ready on Sunday night. And so that's keeping it, the routine is going to make it easier for us to just automatically do and do it over and over again. And finally, we can also consider a reward for our exercise and especially in this idea of temptation bundling, where we have something that we want to do and then something we might not want to do as much. So like there's a new show on Netflix we want to watch. We can do that while we're at the gym on the treadmill or the exercise bike or whatever, and then just limit that to, hey, we're only going to watch you know, the new Witcher or whatever while we're on the treadmill. And so then you're kind of have this temptation bundled with the thing you don't want to do. So that's what temptation bundling is. And it's a great way to keep you invested in some of your exercise goals. All right, now we've got sleep, which is a huge issue for ADHD. And we can have issues with falling asleep, staying asleep, and waking up. So, you know, really the whole gamut of that sleep process. So let's start off with, okay, how much sleep do we really need? So we can start at this by looking at that we have three phases of sleep. 
And it's a little bit more complicated than that, but we're just going basics here for the purpose of this. So we have our light sleep, and this is our transition from being awake to sleeping. Um, and we're going to spend about half our time sleeping in light sleep. So it's not just the transition. It's also we're going to be going in and out of it while we're going through our other stages, which are deep sleep, when we have our lowest level of brain activity, and it's our time that we get the most recovery. And then we also have REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement. And this is our dream phase of sleep. Um, although we are going to have some dreams outside of REM as well, but while we're in REM, we are dreaming. REM is also when our brain is going to see the highest activity while we're sleeping. And this is when we're encoding a lot of our memories during our sleep. Now, with these sleep cycles, we're going to talk about something called ultradian rhythms. And these are 90 minute cycles our bodies go through. And it's also how our sleep cycle works. And it's going from light sleep to deep sleep to REM sleep and then kind of back up. And it's, you can imagine one of those like sine wave graphs where you're going through these cycles. And we want to aim for four to six complete cycles of sleep per night. So just the quick math here, we're aiming for six to nine hours of sleep. Most people are probably going to want to aim for five of these cycles and get about seven and a half hours of sleep at night. That's probably the uh, best place we want to go here. And remember that the 90-minute cycle here is an average. These are not strict numbers. And then along with this, we want to try and wake up at the end of one of these sleep cycles. If we wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle, especially during, like, say, deep sleep, we're going to be a lot more groggy when we wake up than if we are at the end of a sleep cycle coming into light sleep, and then our bodies are more naturally able to wake up. And then along with this idea, we also know it's good to know that our sleep cycles are not the same throughout the night. We tend to have more deep sleep early in the night and more REM sleep later in our overall sleep period. And so then we have to be aware that with our circadian rhythm, that when we go to sleep, is going to have more deep sleep in that big first half, regardless if we're going to sleep then or not. So if we go to bed extra late, we're going to miss some of our deep sleep. If we wake up extra early, we're going to miss more of our REM sleep. And it's important that we're getting both aspects of those sleeps so that we really want to try and keep our bedtime and wake up time as regular as we can. So that's how much sleep we kind of want to get. And then, but getting to sleep is always a trick for people with ADHD. We want to stay up late. We want to be doing things. There's this idea of bedtime revenge procrastination where we're putting off bedtime because we want to be doing things. And this often comes because we're just not doing enough of our own stuff during the day. This is about creating some control in our life as, as much doing things that are enjoyable. So if we make more time to do things that we want to do during the day, we have less urge to stay up and do those things that we want to do because we've been able to do them. And we know that tomorrow we'll be able to do them again too. Then along with this, getting to sleep is really important to have a bedtime routine. So what can be helpful for this is having an alarm for when we want to start getting ready for bed, not just when we want to go and be asleep, because we need to have that transition from doing stuff to going to bed. During this transition, we want to probably we want to stop doing our electronics like an hour before bed, and that's going to help get us ready for sleep. And while some things talk about how blue light is the issue here, what might be the bigger issue from this is the stimulation that we're getting from these devices. Video games and social media are going to be amping us up emotionally at a time when we want to be relaxing and getting ready to transition to a sleep. 
Additionally, during this time, it can be good for journaling or reading fiction. Personally, I find reading nonfiction before bed to be too stimulating as well because I'm my brain just starts worrying with ideas of things I want to write about or do. And so I save uh, that kind of reading for the day. And then the rest of our bedtime routine can be things like brushing our teeth and going to the bathroom, maybe taking a shower or something. Things that will help us get ready to just get in bed so that when it's time for bedtime, we're down and ready to go to sleep. Then once we're ready for sleep, the things that we want to have to help improve our sleep are things like having a dark room. This means like an actually dark room, blackout curtains. We want to remove or block any bright LEDs. Um, although a sleep mask can also work in these situations too. So that depends on if that's something you can handle. I personally have a lot of trouble having sleeping with something on my face. Then we also want to have a cold room. Uh, a lot of sleep data suggests between 60 and 67 degrees Fahrenheit. And yep, that's fairly cold. So this would be a lot about your personal preference. Colder does not mean better. Too cold can also have sleep problems. So, and this is also a big concern with if you're sleeping with someone else in your bed and one of you is a warm sleeper and one of you is a cold sleeper. This is something that happens with uh, my wife and I, where she's a much colder sleeper than I am. One of the ways we've solved it is just having separate blankets so that we can have our own level of uh, warmth on ourselves. Additionally, when we're getting ready for bed, and then you can just uh, have a quiet room with either removing sounds that would keep you to sleep or having some sort of sound machine that will keep you from being disturbed by those other sounds. Now, finally, we have our issue of waking up. And I'm going to be honest here, this isn't really an issue for me. In fact, it can be kind of a problem with how easy I wake up in the morning and just wishing I could go back to sleep. Uh, But I do know a lot of people with ADHD have trouble getting out of bed. So let's do a quick rundown of some of those things you can do to help get yourself out of bed. One of the more creative solutions I've heard of is if you take stimulant medication is having your alarm go off 30 to 40 minutes before you really want to get up and then taking your medication and letting yourself go back to sleep. Once your medication has had a chance to kick in, it's much easier to get out of bed when you have your second real alarm go off because now you have all those motivating chemicals going through your body. And hey, if you don't take medication, another idea, just have a glass of water that you drink right before going back to sleep from that first alarm. And then once your real alarm goes off, the call of nature can then help get you out of bed, hopefully. You can also consider uh, multiple alarms or novel alarms that are more difficult to turn off so that it's not just the one thing that is going off and us hitting snooze and going back to sleep. This can also just mean putting your alarm farther away from you so it's not just an arm's length away to get you back to sleep. Although we do want to be mindful of the other people that might be sleeping around us and not want to get up when we do. Uh, We can also work on getting some light into our eyes in the morning, just like we want to sleep in a dark room. When we're waking up, we want to get light into our eyes as soon as possible. Bonus points if it's sunlight, which will help us set our circadian rhythms and help make getting up at that time more regularly easier. Then music is also another great way to get us out of bed in the morning. We just want to try and not use our favorite songs because they might lose some of their sheen when those first notes are what we always hear when we're getting shaken out of our dreams. All right. And just as a final note here, when you are getting enough sleep and getting a higher quality sleep, it makes getting out of bed a lot easier in the morning. And so all of the things above should help with this as well. And 
really sleep is just so important for helping with managing our ADHD because it makes all the other things that much easier. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. One, we can reframe exercise as movement and want to make sure that we're taking breaks throughout the day and making sure that we're including that movement in those breaks. Two, getting exercise and movement isn't just good for our bodies, but it's also good for our minds. The feel-good chemicals that are released during exercise can help with ADHD management throughout the day. Three, getting enough sleep is one of the most important things we can do for our ADHD management. You can improve your sleep quality with the dark, cool room and by creating a routine to get you ready for sleep by your bedtime. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I loved this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2 5 10 25 or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tibber's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDRewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. One of the most groundbreaking inventions of all time has to be the shovel. 